Well, Shabbat Shalom. And it's a great day to study the Torah. It's a great day to study the Bible, which really means the same. Some people don't, we get it twisted sometimes, but it's really the Torah and the Bible is the same thing. I have to say that so hopefully my, some of my family is going to be listening today. So they go, when I say Torah, don't run away. Torah is the Bible. It's the same, it's the same thing. Um, today we're going to talk about a few things. I want to dedicate, I want to pray first, and then, then we'll start talking. Um, I want to read the prayer, the Hebrew prayer. Bless are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to immerse or engross ourselves in the words of the Torah. Amen. Amen. I want to dedicate this shiur. Shiur is the Hebrew word for lesson. I'm trying to learn a little Hebrew. So it's shiur, shiur. To my, to my big brother, my, my eldest, well, he's actually not my eldest brother, second eldest brother, um, but my eldest brother, as we were growing up, um, his name is Mike, Mike Farrell. Um, he's, um, he's my big brother. He lives, he lives here in Atlanta, um, but he came over this week to help, help me fix my radiator. And let me read this. Um, he told me one, he told me something a little while back about a hoopty. Y'all know what a hoopty is? What's a hoopty? Okay, Aaron, this is your, that, was your, that was your clue to bring up the hoopty. Aaron, bring the hoopty. This is my example of a hoopty. It's just a car. But a hoopty is not just a regular car. A hoopty is a car that may be a little run down. Maybe the tires are, like this one's a, a hoopty because it's missing the tire. Maybe your hoopty, your um, something's wrong on the inside and you didn't get it fixed. And the reason I wanted to use my, um, I used my brother as an um, example because we were talking about this. We were just talking about cars. And he said, you know what? If you have a car, you have something small that goes wrong with it. If you don't fix it, then you'll keep not fixing it. You'll, you'll, you'll let it go. This one little thing, then the next thing, you won't fix it. And then you're going to let that go. And eventually you're going to have what's called a hoopty. And a hoopty is just a car that's just kind of run down. Anybody heard um, Sir Mix-a-Lot old song, My Hoopty? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're from my era. I was going to read some of the lyrics. I was going to play the song, but anyway. They may not let me back come up here and teach no more. Just joking. All right. It's, uh, it's My Hoopty, rolling, tailpipe dragging. Heat don't work and my girlfriend's nagging. Anybody remember that? 6-9 Buick, deep deuce keeps rolling, one hub cap, three got stolen. But you get the picture. My picture is a car that's run down. And my question is, are you a hoopty? Okay, that was too much to the face, right? Do, do we all have some hoopty in us? Yeah. Something that's wrong. All of us have the, a little hoopty in us. And the hoopty in us, but what are we going to do about that? If we keep letting it go, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, that's not a big deal. Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara, that's a big one, huge. Some things that are so simple, but they're huge. 
And we have to do our due diligence to fix them when we see them. Because if we don't fix them, it's not that God's doing something to us. No, because we didn't recognize the elephant in the room. I remember this from last week that I start here. We didn't recognize the elephant in the room. We didn't say nothing about it. I don't see nothing wrong. I don't see nothing wrong. And then before you know it, your life is a hoopty. And, and it's our own fault because we don't see those little marks, those little things that say, hey, fix that. Do something about this. And, and what I was saying, my, my brother, he came by to help me with the radiator. And I love my brother. He's awesome. Uh, but my brother's been fixing things since he's been little. And kind of to switch, um, some people, when they get a new bike for Christmas, they just go ride it. My brother gets a new bike, and he takes it apart to figure out how it works. As the story goes in our house, he couldn't figure out how to put it back together. But you know what? But the point was, that's him. God implanted that desire to figure things out on the inside of him. See, God plants a desire for each one of us to do things that he know that we're going to do. It's on the inside of you. You just have to be able to do our due diligence to listen to him as he tells us, hey, this is what you're called to do in this world. This is how you're going to better this world. And that's so, so important. So the question that I'll ask again, are you a hoopty? What have you allowed to go unchecked over and over and not take care of it? Yes, that's an ouch. And that's an ouch for all of us, because all of us have things that, are, that sometimes we let go unchecked. And if we let some things keep going unchecked, it, just, it could lead to disaster. It could lead to death. And we're going to talk about those. Let's go to. We're going to figure this out. Okay, I wanted to start here. This is a story. This came from Olive Bet, if anybody ever listened to Olive Bet. And this is just a story about um, Joseph and his brothers. And we know the story. Well, some of us know the story. His, his brothers, they hated Joseph, okay, growing up. For whatever reason, they didn't like him. Because maybe he was a bratty little 17-year-old who thought he knew it all. Right? Maybe he was. I don't know. But they didn't like him. It was some issues that went on. And in Genesis 37, this is something that's so subtle that you may miss it. And eight, Aleph Beta just pointed this out. I love this. Um, in, in Genesis 37.4, it says, they could not speak in peace with him. You ever have family members that you can't even speak to peacefully? Does anybody? I, I'm, I'm raising both hands. I do. Maybe right now at this moment. Maybe not. I don't know. But the point is, sometimes we have, we have those little things that are huge with God. Maybe that's something that we need to go and take care of in order to get in right relationship that will help us with our relationship with God. Maybe there's some relationship, earthly relationships that we need to go and just do our due diligence. I'm not saying we need to go be a doormat to people, but sometimes we need to do our due diligence to say, you know what? I forgive you. You know what? I was wrong. I should not have said that. And that happens. And the next scripture, Genesis 45, 15, says his brothers spoke with him. It's very subtle. This was after they had reconciled and they came back in right relationship. So see the connection. At one moment, they didn't speak with him at all. And now they can at least have a conversation with their brother. That's huge. 
And see, that's how detailed God wants to get with our lives. He loves us so much. God wants to have a relationship with us. But God needs for us to get our lives together so that we can help other people. Because it's hard to help somebody else when your life's all messed up, right? Yeah, it is. It's so hard. That's why God needs for us to take care of our needs so we can figure this thing out. And this is the whole hoopty message. How to deal with life's error messages. This is so good. I love this. I can't tell you how much I love this. Because we all need this. What's an error message? An error message is something that we get that tells us so much about our reality. And an error message comes in so many different faces. And sometimes we don't want to see it because of our pride. Because of our, what are some other things you think that would be in the way besides our pride? Maybe guilt. Maybe you've been guilty about things because you know you're supposed to do something, you don't do it because of whatever. And that happens all the time. Let's read this. That's kind of hard to read. That's really small. Sorry. All right. And the, that question there says, what's your dragon? Because this dragon can literally eat you up. It could be so simple, but it's huge. Okay, let me give you some examples. You're being cussed out. Words, unkind words by your manager because you forgot or neglected to do A. Is that a, a life error message? You may say, you know what? Why did, what's going on here? Maybe there's something you need to do. Maybe you can't just ignore him like, oh, that ain't a big deal. He just, got a, he just having a bad day. No, maybe you're just late to work every day, and that's why he's on you. And you got to realize that. But sometimes we want to ignore it, act like nothing didn't happen. All right, let me keep going. This one's pretty deep. You are drinking, smoking, and getting high. Nobody in here is doing that. Maybe you are. I don't know. I don't know you. Anyway, you're drinking, smoking, getting high again for the 100th time. Extreme. And nobody wants to be around you. You think that's an error message? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge error message. Do you think sometimes we see those error messages and we ignore them? Yes, people ignore them all the time. That's the dragon. I like to call it, I got this from um, a guy named Jordan Peterson. That's the dragon of chaos. That's the dragon that will eat you up. It starts subtle, but it'll just eat you up. Here, here's one, since I teach school. You failed a test in school. Well, that's not a big deal. I just failed a test. But there's so much involved in failing that test. And again, I'm calling this a life error message. And I have, where did it go? All right. This, this error message, it's an entity that exists in a web of connections. Think about that. It's an entity that exists in a web of connections. It's something that exists and it's connected to so many different things that we just don't, we see it, but we don't see it. What are some things that are connected to you failing a, just a, a regular test in school? What do you think? Help me out. Not studying. Not studying. What are some things that lead to not studying? Maybe you got two jobs. Maybe you're working late night and that's why you don't have time to study. Maybe because you, you have a bad relationship with your family, and every time you go home, y'all are cussing at each other, arguing with each other all the time, and you ain't got time to think about studying for nothing. Do you see why it's an entity in a web of connections? So every life, every one of those error messages is connected to so many different things. And it's all individual. 
It's not something I can just put my finger on you and go, boop, you need to fix this. No, that's something that only you can do. That's something that only you can say, you know what, I see this, God, and I need to do something about it. I need to figure this out. But again, only you can do this. And I love this. When you pick it up, and I say the it, what are you picking up? Some, that's why some people don't like, and I have people, some people don't want to get me to give their test back to them when they know they failed. Because sometimes it hurts. Right? Does an error message hurt sometimes? Yes. Because we don't want to see it. Sometimes like, no, I'm, I'm good. Get away from me with that. I'm, I already know I failed. I said, dude, just look at the test. No, I'm good. Because it hurts. Because sometimes we don't want to see that. But contained within that is a way for you to change, which is so big. And again, it says, when you pick it up, you don't know what it means. You have, your body has many systems. You have what's called the limbic system. Your limbic system is the portion of your brain that deals with three key functions, emotions, memories, and stimulation, arousal. That's your limbic system. Your perceptual system is your inferences about properties of physical environment based on scenes. So your body perceives things in many different ways. You don't see it just in one. You see it with your eyes. You see it with all kinds of different systems. You look at the error message differently. Your different system. Your limbic, your limbic system may say it's just a piece of paper. And your perceptual system, which may be the true system who needs to see it, you say, that's a dragon. I need to run. So which one do you listen to? Great question. Let me go to another error message. Another error message that's on here, um, it says you got a DUI. You think that's an error message? Yes, stop drinking. Or don't drink and drive. Or, but do you think people get those, we get those error messages and we ignore them. That's the whole point. The next thing is, what is your first response? How do you handle this? if you're honest with yourself. First, acknowledge that you have an error message. That's step one. If you don't, you won't conquer what you won't confront. You won't conquer what you won't confront. If you don't confront it, you justify it, you remain the same. And we'll keep having the same conversation. It's kind of like if you, you know you need to work on being patient, you know it's gonna happen to you in Kroger's. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, get in line behind like 10 people and the cashier's going to drop stuff. And, and, but the point is, you're going to have to work on these things. It, with God, there's no social promotion. He don't just pass you to the next, next level. You got to go through it and figure it out. I have level zero here. Level zero. It says, maybe it's a nonsensical message delivered by someone evil and out to get you. Maybe. And my point is, this is how you think about, do you think that's the case? Maybe. Do you think sometimes people are evil and out to get you? Sure. There are people who are very evil, but most of the time, probably 99% of the time, that's not the case. That's just an excuse that we make so we don't deal with what we need to deal with. Level one, maybe I am just ignorant. Is that mean? Is it okay to say that you're ignorant? Yes. I am ignorant on many things. We are, you are ignorant on many things too. You're like, I ain't ignorant. So like, who are you talking to? Okay, you, I'm just gonna turn around. We're all ignorant on things. And I think it's freeing to know, to recognize and say, you know what? I don't know what to do in this situation. Great. 
you can go nowhere but up. That's where you know you can go and get some help. Back to the school example. If you fail a test, don't say the teacher's out to get me. No, maybe you just don't know what you're doing. That's not bad. You get that DUI. Why am I getting a DUI? They're just out to get me, those police officers. No, stop drinking. Stop being a fool. But we got to do that ourselves. All right, level two. I'll leave that alone. I'll stop. Tipping. Anyway, all right, number two. It says, maybe you, don't know what, maybe you don't know what you thought you knew. Maybe you don't know yourself well at all. That's okay. It's okay to be at that place. I like being at a place of nothing. For those of us who, are, who pay bills, adults, isn't it a great place to be when you owe nobody nothing? Yeah. To just be at zero? I'm at zero. Because some of us are at negative. I'm at negative 9,000. So when you get back to zero, you're like, yes, I am free. I don't owe nobody a dime. Don't even look at me. That's a beautiful place to be at. But we need to understand that. It's okay to say, you know, I really don't know myself at all. Maybe I need to spend time with me. I need to date me so I can figure out myself. I need to go through my thoughts so I can figure out, well, what, why am I getting angry every time this person comes at me with this situation? Why do I go off with this person when this thing happens? But see, if you can't look at yourself like that, it's not that God, it's something that you have to do. God's going to help us with that. The scripture says, let me go to this. The scripture says in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, when you seek God first, he's going to fix all those things. But he ain't just going to fix them just out of thin air. You got to listen to him. You got to hear from him. And when he tells you to do something, do it. You need to do it immediately. Don't even think about it. You need to get up. Do what you got to do. Well, not right now since we're listening. Don't get up right now. Anyway, but to get the point, we got to do what we got to do to change. If not, that's just the way it is. It's going to stay the same. Next question. Are your values not organized well? Do you mismanage your time? Anybody guilty? Are you in the wrong field of study? I like this one. This might step on some toes. Are you acting out what you think your parents want for you? Maybe you're angry at your parents, so what you are doing is spiteful to get back at them. Yes. Do, do people do this all the time? Yes. I see it every day. But it's something that they have to figure out. Because if I point that out to somebody, at least I think I see it, you think people are going to receive that very well? Probably not. That's a fight waiting to happen. I like fights. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm learning that. Because confrontations help you grow. Yeah, we need confrontations to grow. We need somebody to be in our face or something to be in our face. Because now we're just going to be the same. We're just doing the same. What if everybody around you just agrees with you? Nobody tells you. Nobody confronts you. You're not going to change. I need people around me to say, you know what, that was dumb. Okay, thanks. I need that. And the person who does that for me, several of them, is my beautiful queen, Daphne. She'll tell me that was dumb in like five seconds. That was, that was just dumb. I say, thank you. But you know what? If I'm not humble enough to receive it, because I won't, and just to be honest, I, won't, I should receive it, but I don't receive that from everybody. Right? 
you're going to receive that from people who you're in relationship with. Somebody you don't know off the street telling you dumb, you might, you probably will ignore them and act like they didn't say a word. But somebody that you know has your, I like to say who's on your side, who has your best heart in mind, you're going to listen to them. We should. And even those who don't, you can still, if somebody is cussing you out, calling you names, when you walk in your, in your business, you can get something out of that. You can learn like, woo, why, why just going? I mean, they, they might not have your best interest in mind, but you can learn from that. Somehow pull something out of it. All right, let me keep going. I read that. And the bottom one's kind of like the other one. It says, maybe what you're doing is just being spiteful to get back at your wife or husband. Maybe you're, you're in a relationship, and the things you're doing is just to be spiteful to them. Do we see that? Yes. You see that all the time. Sometimes husband and wives are tit for tat. Like, you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. Okay, you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you next week. And if you never address it, that's what me and dad, we've been married for 29 years, and actually we've been together for 30 years. And we have lengthy lengthy conversations about a lot of things. We're really best friends. We are. And I think that's so important to have those conversations because if I say something that hurts her feelings, we need to know why I said that. Or if she says something that I didn't like, we need to, so you get the point. You got to have those conversations to deal with it because if those things are not dealt with, if they're unchecked, what's going to happen maybe 10 years down the road? You know, that's not a big deal. I see this all, I see this with family members, and I'm saying this so hopefully nobody knows who I'm talking about. Anyway, I, I've seen family members who, husband and wife, they're at each other. I see little subtle jokes. They'll say little negative jokes about each other. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And it might seem subtle, and they think, oh, it's ha ha. And then they don't deal with it, it goes unchecked. And then another joke, and then another joke leads to, I'm not coming home today. Another joke leads to, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And, it, and you know where it started? It started with that little subtle joke. They should have stopped, it. They should have stopped the presses. Er, we got to talk about this right now because I don't want this to go unchecked because I love you that much. And see, that's what we have to do with ourselves. And if you're in a relationship, you need to do that relationship, especially if you have somebody who's open enough to have that conversation because everybody's not ready for that kind of conversation, just to be honest. I think, I think young people are more ready for those conversations, just to be honest, because so some of us, we've gotten kind of stuck and old and in our ways. I'm just saying that, sorry. I didn't want to look at anybody when I said that. Let me go like this. Some of us are old and stuck in our ways. If I'm talking about you, anyway, I'm, I'm talking about you, but it's okay. But honestly, it's, we need to be thankful when we know that. It's like, God, thank you for showing me this. Because you know what? Five years down the road, it could take me to a place that I don't want to go. So I need to be grateful. Thank you, God, for showing me. All right, let me keep going. It says, yeah, I will do what you want me to do, but I will fail just enough to aggravate you. Yes, I see this all the time. I will say disrespectful things to slowly set you off. What's your dragon? What's your dragon? These ideas, issues can be bottomless pits. When something in your world objects to you, it's all bound up in that thing. 
See, when I say in your world, my world is safe. I like the comfort of my world. This is my bubble. But something will try to penetrate my world. And the, the thing that's trying to penetrate it is that air message. It's that hoopty-itis that we talked about earlier. Some of y'all just got here. You don't know what I'm talking about, hoopty-itis. But when, the, when you get that air message, it's trying to penetrate who you are. Because everybody just likes for things to go well, right? Everything's smooth. Nobody don't want to just mess up the, you know, the, um, the course of your life. Because, you know, I don't want to do that. That's no fun. Leave me alone. No. That's what God wants to do with us. He wants us to change. And we have to do those things that's going to help us. Amen? And That's why it's the great dragon of chaos. It's everything that's outside of your wall city. Your wall city is your reality. Okay, the worst thing to do is what? How should you respond? Let's go to some responses. All right, response number zero. I, I call it response zero because hopefully you don't do this. But people do do this all the time. Let me speak, read response zero. Maybe after this error message, so we understand what an error message is, right? Something that's coming at you. You're getting a DUI. You failed a test. Somebody says your breath stinks. Get a mint, man. Somebody says something you need to deal with. That's your life air message. What do you do with that? So response number zero. Maybe after this message, you are more resentful, and the next time it gets worse. Don't do that. But that happens all the time. Next time you hang out later with your friends, you drink, smoke, and get more high. Then you stop taking care of yourself. You start spiraling downhill. Then you end up jumping off the cliff. Does that happen to people? Yes, we talked about that last week with the suicide rate. The suicide rate is at an all-time high today. Hopefully not at this moment. But if you look at the data, it's at an all-time high. Because people want to give up on life. Because we don't deal with those error messages. When they happen, you got to deal with them. Talk about them. Lengthy conversations. This is how the dragon eats you when you are not paying attention to it. This is why people avoid life's error messages. We avoid them because we don't want to deal with them. Because it's work. We don't want to work at things. And it's okay to work at things. That's how we're going to get better. If not, we're just lying to our... If not, we're just playing church. We're playing... We're just coming here to hang out. It's just a social club. This is not a social club to me. When I come here, I want some word that's going to change my life. I want you to confront me and say, you know what? You need to do this to help change you to be a better person. Amen. If not, I don't want a cotton candy message. We don't get cotton candy messages around here. We get messages that's going to confront you to make you change, to be better. All right? Response number one. Maybe you take it apart and thank God for an opportunity to change. It was the best air message that you ever had. Maybe I don't know how to do mathematics. Let's go teach math. I don't know how to write. Maybe I can't wake up on time. Just be, you got to be honest, right? Maybe I am smoking too much. Maybe I'm not being responsible. Maybe I have never learned how to read anything in my life. Yes, it hurts, but it's a good hurt. It's a good place to be at zero. And say, you know what? I need to learn this. Maybe my finances are messed up because I'm spending too much money. 
Maybe I'm overweight because I'm eating. Okay, if I, maybe I'm overweight. I can't look at anybody and I say, because I'm eating at McDonald's every day. Those fries. Anybody love those fries? Okay, I'm sorry. I just thought it out. But, the, but we got we to gotta address that. And we got to look at ourselves. If not, we're just going to keep being the same. Maybe you're going to die at early age. We'll say a great message over your funeral because you died at early age, because you're doing things you shouldn't have been doing. Okay, that was mean, right? But I'm just telling the truth. All right, let me get back over here. Maybe I'm working at 2% efficiency. Maybe I need to get up earlier in the morning. Maybe I get up at 6. Maybe I need to get up at 5 so I can take care of some things I need to take care of. Yeah. Sometimes we got to do that. You think it's going to be easy? No. We got to make ourselves do things. Don't think you ever, motivation I think is, motivation's is kind of garbage. Because sometimes, most of the time you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to feel like, me and Daphne, we've been doing this, I'm so grateful. We get up at 4.30, I get up at 4.30. I'm in the gym, we're in the gym at 5 to work out. Work out about an hour and 10 minutes, like shower, get on to work. Do you think it's easy to get up at 4.30 every morning? No. Do you think I want to just lay down like, I'm, I ain't doing, no. Do you think there have been mornings I have laid there? Yes. But I'm leaning towards that direction. So we got to, that's why sometimes we got to sit back and plan our lives and say, I'm going to do this. Even though you know in your mind, like, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I know me. But you got to set yourself up for success. Because when you do that, you'll eventually do it. You'll, you'll eventually get there. Just keep pushing. You keep working towards it. Maybe instead of getting up at 4.30, you get up at 5. Okay, you slept in 30 minutes. Okay, it's a little better than last time. Okay, I only worked out for 10 minutes this day. Next time, I'm going to work out for 15 minutes. Next time, this week, I'm only going to go to McDonald's once. You know what? I'm only going to cuss out three people this week. Okay, I'm just throwing that out. But you get the point. The point is you got to lean towards being better. And the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So as we seek him, he's going to help us. You can't do those things on your own. See, that's the problem. We're trying to do this thing on our own without asking for God, God for help. That's the problem. I got to stop pointing. Daddy told me to stop pointing at people. <laughs> don't point. But we have to challenge ourselves because if we don't challenge ourselves, nobody else is going to do it for us. Just be honest. They're just not. This should be freeing. How could your life change if you woke up on time and make it to where you say you need to be 5% more? Just 5%. I don't really like New Year's resolutions because people make New Year's resolutions and we just quit. You got to just make a lifestyle change because it's just not going to work. Uh, I tell you, we're at the gym. And every year, and the, actually the, coaches, they, the, the um, coaches and the people who work there, they joke about it. They say in January, it's going to be full. It'll, it'll kind of, um, you know, they'll stop coming about March, maybe February. Happens every year because we get excited about something. Yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change my life. Yes. And we get all excited about it. We start doing it, and then we get tired and we quit. Forget that. Because we're not diligent enough to stay with it. That's why you need God to help us to stay diligent. And if you miss it, so what? Just get back up and keep going. You fall off that bike, get up, scratch yourself, rub yourself, wipe it off, keep going. Allow God to help you. All right, here's what not to do. Response zero is don't jump off the bridge. 
I know I said this, but this is important here. So every time you make a mistake, you want to go jump off the bridge mentality. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we make a mistake and we want to go beat ourselves up. Anybody been there? I have. Sometimes we're so hard on ourselves, we mess up. Like, why did you do that? That was dumb. You know better. You know, you're human. I can hear the movie Rocky. She said, um, what did she say to Rocky? She said, you're human, aren't you? Anybody know that part? You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, sorry. It was in the movie Rocky, okay? But the point is, we're human and we make mistakes. And we need to know that. And when you make a mistake, just brush it off. Keep going. This is what you should do. Which part of my structure needs attention? That's it. Which part of my structure needs attention? And what do I need to do to fix it? That's what I need to do. So I need to figure out how to fix those things that I need to fix. I want to talk about, um, anybody, have y'all heard of the holiday Asera Bay, Asera Bay Tevet? It was this week, and it goes along with this message perfectly. It was, I'm going to read this, and then we'll talk about it. On Asera Bay Tevet, the 10th of, 10th day of the Jewish month of Tevet, which is the, on our, the Hebrew calendar that we use. In the year 3,336 from creation, 425 BCE, the armies of the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, laid siege to Jerusalem. So what happened at that time, they laid a siege on the city. And let me keep reading. Three months later, on 9 Tammuz, 3,338, the city walls were breached. And on, on the 9th of Ab that year, the holy temple was destroyed. The Jewish people were exiled to Babylonia for 70 years. Let me read. This is, this is in the scripture. This is in 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 1. So in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the 10th day of the 10th month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army. He camped outside the city and built siege, siege works all around it. So to make a long story short with this, on the 10th of Tevet, this was the time when the king Nebuchadnezzar, he basically built a wall, like a military wall around the city, and nobody could go in or out. That makes sense? And this is, a, this is a fast day. And it's a really important fast day. Now follow the pattern. So on the 10th of um, Tevet, they built a siege around the wall. Two and a half years later, one place said two and a half years, one said one and a half, one and a half years. But on the 17th of Tammuz, we celebrate, I say celebrate, we remember the time when the walls were breached on the 17th of Tammuz. Y'all remember that holiday? On the 9th of Av, the, the temple was destroyed. On, the, on the, the other feast, which was the Feast of Gedaliah, if anybody remember hearing about that, that's the, it's called the Feast of the Seventh Month. Um, this is when somebody named Gedaliah, they were killed. They were, the, they were like the... Um, the mayor of this city. Now I want you to see the picture. Jerusalem was surrounded by this army. This was a moment when they could have changed. They could have made a change. They were surrounded. But if you go back and study that, the, the Jewish people at that time, the reason they got to that point was because of this thing called baseless hatred. That was one thing. They got to that point because of things that was going on internally within them. So really, this was an error message. Their error message said, you know what? 
Nebuchadnezzar is now going to come and take us over. But he didn't just come and take them over. It started with something that was very, it was huge. He surrounded the city. And that lasted for, I think it was two and a half years. Then after that, they broke through the walls. And after that, the temple was destroyed. You get the point. So the point is, they could have done something about it at that moment when they were surrounded by those, by Nebuchadnezzar. See, that's how it is with our air messages. See, we have things that happen to us, and if we do something about it ahead of time, maybe we'll end up being evicted from our home. We got to do those little things that happen when they happen to change. And I wanted to read this. Why do we celebrate biblical holidays? Anyway, why do we even celebrate it? Great question, right? Um, I remember when um, years ago, I I feel old when I say that. Back when I was, anyway, a long time ago, we were at uh, Clarksville. We were living in Clarksville, Tennessee. And Daphne and I, we were um, the children's youth kind of pastors. And we taught in the kid zone. And every week we would come in and say, let's zone into God. That was like our thing. Anyway, we were in the church. It was a great teaching. Great. It was a great ministry. It was awesome. We taught there for years. And those kids would have some serious questions. I love kids because they just, they're so just honest, like to the point. And we would get to the point of studying the Leviticus and studying those feasts. And they would ask questions like, hey, why are we not doing those feasts now? See, this was an eye-opener to Daphne and I to get to studying these biblical feasts. Because it was like, I was like, I, great question, man. Give me some five. But you know what? What if I had have ignored that message and say, you know what? Uh, He don't know what he's talking about. He's just a kid. See, that's how God brings us into his world. So we have those, that wasn't really an error message, but that was something outside of my realm of understanding at all. Completely. It was just outside. But I had to listen. And then when I listened to it, it opened up our eyes. Okay, all right. So let's go and do some research. And doing research, it's a whole nother world. I didn't know anything about Jewish anything. Literally nothing. I was was, um, baptized at Testerina Primitive Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. That's it. I didn't know anything about Jesus being Jewish. That's why sometimes I say that to my family now, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Jesus is Jewish. What does that mean? See, I got to remember where I came from. And we need to understand that. And that's, we have to do our due diligence to penetrate people's worlds when we can. That's why it's so, so important. Um, I, had to, I have the privilege. Uh, my daughter, she lives in, where does Jordan live? Kauai. Anybody heard of Kauai? Kauai? Cool, yeah. It's, it's like another island, Hawaii. But anyway, uh, my daughter, we just, we, we're, we're grandparents again. And she just had a little baby. And the baby was born on January the 7th. And her name is Metaphor. You gotta say that like five times, okay? Metaphor. She, and she's so beautiful. She, she's so beautiful. And I, I love being a grandparent, I do. I do. But I wanted to. I wanted to use her metaphor as I read this scripture. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. Jeremiah 1.5. Anybody know Jeremiah 1.5? Okay, you'll know it in a minute. 
Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I form you in the womb. I want to just stop there for a minute. Just meditate on that for a second. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Think of that little baby, my grandchild, looking at it because she was just born literally the next day. She come out, she's like, got a little smile. She grinned and she's probably pooping and then going to sleep. She's like, wow. But think about that scripture. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Where was she at before that moment? Just think about that. That messes with my brain. I believe she was with God because God has always been here. I believe she came out of another realm into our world. And now she's here like, what? Lord, why did you bring me here? I want to go back. Just think about that. She came out. Now she's in our world. And now she's going to learn how to live in this world. That's what she's going to do. Let me keep reading this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart to be appointed a prophet to the nations. See, he's not just talking to Jeremiah. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He took us out of that infinity into this world, into this thing he calls time. And now we're in this thing that he calls time, and we got to figure it out. And I want to tell everybody I know to get back to their creator. Because me and Melvin were just talking about that. Where are you, Melvin? It's like, how do I, what do I do to tell people to follow God? I don't know. I think it's so individual because everybody has their own language. Think about that. Because it takes something different for every single person. That's why God needs you to do your due diligence to get yourself together. Now I'm back to the hoopty again. So if your life is like a hoopty, you can't help nobody. If your life is like this car, does somebody want to see? That's my hoopty. Your, your tires falling off. Okay, it already fell off. I was going to make it. I was trying to be dramatic. But if your tires, put your tires back on, fix your car, fix things that you need to take care of, and then you can be used by God even more. Amen? See, that's why we need to do our due diligence to take care of our needs. Because guess what? You're going to always, I'm going to a place, I'm going to forget. I'm going to read this. These are God's needs versus human needs. When you're at work, when you're at school with family, you are there to make the world godlier. That's our job. Doesn't that give you mission? That gives you a purpose. See, when you have a purpose, life is worth living. See, life is not just about being happy and smiling all the time. That's a lie. Y'all know that if you've been living for at least five minutes. It's just a lie. Everything's not going to be all exciting. Y'all in here, yeah, woo. You know, like teenagers come in, they want to party all the time. Yeah, I'm talking about y'all back there. Yes. Don't hide. But, you know, sometimes things are hard. Sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes you're not going to like life. But you know what? If you have meaning behind life, it makes everything worth it. It makes it worth it when you wake up in the morning. Like, what am I going to do today? The same thing I did yesterday. I'm going to do my due diligence to make the world godlier. I need to help fix me so that I can do that better. And I, and I put this up to say this. Um, you're there to make the world godlier, not to satisfy your needs because you never will. You keep trying to satisfy our own needs. I mean, you need to do the, your due diligence to help yourself. We need rest. 
you need to take off. That's why God gave us the Sabbath. Because he wants you to, he said, and I love this. Some people like to skip this part. We just like to go to the rest. He said, six days you shall work. Let's just stop there. That means you need to get a job. If a man doesn't work, should need. So he didn't say just rest. We just want to go straight to the rest. I'm just going to rest. I'm following God. I'm just resting. Stop. Okay? Go to work. Go do something productive in this world, whatever that is. If you're a truck driver, if you're a mechanic, if you're a, a pilot, if you're working in the military. But wherever you are, God has placed you there to make the world godlier. That's why we need to follow the Sabbath. I don't care what profession you're in. I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. You need to follow God. And God's going to make you a better doctor. He's going to make you a better lawyer. Amen? Amen. And this all comes from this obscure midrash that we said last week. And we'll stop here. Because some of you didn't hear this. And this is my favorite part. Um, an obscure midrash, and I love this because this just helps me to put it all together. And this is just, I think this is the best answer for why we're here. Because if you think about it, God has always been here. Why did he create us? Why did you waste your time, God? Okay, just why don't you just be by yourself? You're like, why? And this comes from a, a midrash. It says, the existence of the universe is God's desire to have a dwelling place in the lower world. That's it. It's his desire to have a dwelling place in the low world. And the dwelling place is not just to have a dwelling place and leave you all alone. Say, bye, see you later. When I said I want to be with, when I asked Daphne, that's a whole other conversation, we'll leave it alone. But when we, we got married a few years ago, 29 years ago, I didn't just say we get married and you go do your thing, I do mine. No, I said we're going to dwell together. I said we're going to make a home together. See, that's what God is telling us right there. That's how intimate that is. He said he wants to have a dwelling place in the lower world. That means he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be intimately involved with you. Just like I told you earlier, me and Daphne have sometimes hours of lengthy conversation about things. We need to have that type of conversation with God. Lengthy time spending with him, walking with him, learning Torah, and that's how he's going to change us. And the only thing, only person can do that is you. God, he's just waiting like, dude, get it together. Stop. Pay your bills on time, man. Stop. Stop going to McDonald's. Okay, I thought I'd just end with that. Okay. All right, let's pray. Um, we'll have about 10 minutes, and then we'll um, get started with our regular service. So, Father, we love you, and thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to just walk through your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you for showing each individual those things that we need to do to change us so that we can make the world godlier. And I just give you praise for all that you're going to do in Yeshua's name. Amen.